Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. I wanted to share a few quick words before we get started. Well, you know, 2020 was a year that many of us hope to forget, but for me in this podcast, it was actually a great year. Last January, I purchased a microphone and had the idea to start this podcast. And since then, we've had uh, more than 50 episodes and we've had some amazing guests and sponsors. And I've learned so much from our guests and I hope you have as well. Now, to date, we've had close to 10,000 downloads and we have listeners in all 50 states as well as 48 other countries. Shout out to my friends in Iceland, by the way. Uh, I've been blown away by the response to this podcast. I just want to thank each and every one of you. I really appreciate it. And if you're still looking for ways to support the show, the best thing you can do is rate and review it on your favorite podcast app. That's the best thing you can do. You can also share it with the leaders in your life. Uh, Word of mouth is really important for podcasts. So if you like this podcast, share it and um, we will get the word out to other leaders in your life. And finally, if you really want to support the show, go see my friends at uh, at BottomGunCoffee.com and use the discount code DEEP at checkout. These are great guys. They're all uh, former submariners like myself, and they uh, really make great coffee. BottomGunCoffee.com, use the discount code DEEP. You'll get a discount, and they'll help support the show every week. And uh, by the way, if you don't know this, you can actually leave me a voice message at deepleadershippodcast.com. There's a button there to leave a message. And uh, if you have a great message and I like it, I'll uh, put it on the air in future episodes. So that's it. Thank you for a great 2020 and uh, on to today's program. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to lead in a high-stress environment like combat or maybe working at the White House for the president? Well, my guest today has done both. Bo Brabo is an Army and White House veteran turned author and entrepreneur. He has experienced leadership in some of the toughest and most uncertain environments and where failure is not an option. This is a powerful episode to start the year, and you don't want to miss it. So... Are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bo Bravo. Bo is an Army veteran who worked in the White House under both George W. Bush and Barack Obama before he started his own company. He is the author of a new book called From the Battlefield to the White House to the Boardroom, Leading Organizations to Values-Based Results. He's also the co-host of the popular Bo and Luke Show podcast. He strongly believes the importance of leadership values and the power of people. I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about leading teams in the military, the White House, and in business. So, Bo, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, John. It is amazing to be here. I, I love it. I know we're going to have tons of fun. I hope all the listeners get get value out of it. And let's just, I guess, take it from there. 
Yeah, sounds good. Well, um, first of all, I want to get started about your background. Uh, mm-hmm. You were in the military, in the Army, and uh, somehow you ended up in the White House. So I'm curious to yeah. know your journey. How did you end up in, in the Army? And then how did that end up transitioning and putting yourself in probably one of the most important uh, places in the country? So tell us about that that whole process. Sure. I'll start that off uh, so that listeners have some context and that, you know, out in corporate America, uh, we have this thing uh, we call our network and how important our network is. And we're all on LinkedIn and the power of that professional network and, and getting from sometimes getting from one job to the other, one opportunity to the other. And uh, I learned, I don't I learned early on, in my army career that this network also existed inside of inside of the military and people that you've worked with leaders you've worked with and so forth and the the concept of moving from position to position is built in to the way of the military lifestyle right it's just something that happens every few years people are rotated and you're going to a new assignment which is a new job uh, and you keep and you build great bonds. You keep in touch with them. So you've built this network inside the military. And um, so so when I got to the point, uh, I actually was at the White House two different times. Um, when I got to the point where uh, this network started to really started to play out, and I was I was building this network. Uh, I got a phone call and was recruited to a special assignment uh, where I met my future. Where I met my future supervisor, uh, who would be at the White House, who recruited me and so forth to go there. Um, my, my military journey started at a very young age. I was only 17 okay. when I enlisted in the Michigan Army National Guard. I was only a nice. junior in high school. I went to boot camp after my junior year and between junior and senior year of high school. Wow. And then I went back to high school, did my weekend drills and so forth and did my advanced training after graduation. Then I went to college and was, I was that weekend, I was that weekend warrior, uh, for like six years total. And, and I, I finished college, went into the workforce and I was literally, uh, my, my term had ended and I don't think I was more than nine months after separating from the national guard. Um, when I said, you know what, I missed the uniform. I just oh, wow. missed wearing it. I loved it, yeah. but I, I don't want the, the back and forth, you know, put the uniform on for a weekend, go back to the civilian world, put the uniform on and go back. So I, I joined, I joined the, the army active duty. Oh, wow. uh, ni- that was 19, uh, 1994, early 1994. Okay. Um, started out enlisted and then it was in that journey uh, when I got to the special assignment and got recruited to go to the, to the white house the first time. And I was in it for a couple of years and I was getting itchy, even though it was a great assignment, I was getting itchy to do more in my military career. I, I had only been on active duty for about seven and a half, seven and a half years total. And, uh, I, you know, I was contemplating the stuff of going to be a drill sergeant, uh, or going to be a recruiter. And my supervisor, who who I had was now in the second assignment with, because he was at the previous assignment, my my leader at the time, he's like, you know, I'm, there's no way I'm letting you go, just <laughs> just to go do something, you know, like be a drill sergeant. He goes, you got to do something different, other than that, and uh, I and it led to warrant officer packet. Oh wow! Okay. And so I submitted a warrant officer packet, had the recommendations, was very fortunate to get selected. Oh nice. Uh, yeah. And that, so that was, 
a little close to halfway through my career, about the eight, nine year mark. And so, by the way, not to interrupt yeah. you, but you are officially the second warrant officer we've had on the show. So really? Uh, yeah. So we're awesome. not the first. So <laughs> not the first. Well, hey, the I love the warrant officer corps. It's a brotherhood, kind of yes. like the the chief's mess and the, you know, and so forth mm-hmm. in the Navy, mm-hmm. uh, which yes. you're intimately familiar with. Um, so, uh, so I went to war, I left the white house and went to warrant officer candidate school that took me to Germany. Uh, but the whole time frame I kept in touch with, and we kind of had this plan if everything worked out that I would, I would interview for, uh, replacing my boss who I had left mm. at the white house, um, because he was considering, uh, retirement and so forth. So I was in Germany for a few years, had a deployment to Iraq during that time frame, And it just happened to be that the, that the commander uh, of our agency uh, was the White House Communications Agency. So we were taking care of the communications part of, for the president. Um, he was also from that special operations unit that myself and my supervisor were in. Oh, so nice. this is where this network, this whole yeah. network is all, all playing together. And I was the only person that he interviewed uh, for the job to go back and be the chief of HR operations uh, for White House communications. Wow. Uh, so I, I, that happened after Germany. I got back to Washington, D.C., went back into the office that I was in. Only now I was in charge of the office. And that really catapulted the next part of that journey, which was becoming a presidential communications officer. So wow. we, we took all the officers in the agency, put them through the training academy, you had to take on this additional duty of leading teams uh, for the president uh, and so forth. And that's where that all began. And I was in that for like seven and a half years. And then I retired. So I was there when we transitioned from President Bush to President Obama. And uh, then when it was ready, when I was time to retire, uh, and when I made that decision, then that was the end of the White House days. Wow. Wow. So that's incredible. You know, I mean, a lot of us, you know, see the White House on TV. We we see yeah. the news reports, but you you actually spent time, you know, inside those four walls and uh, re- being really, you know, part of that, you know, organization that is the presidency. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what was that like being in the leadership role of which was that critical, right? Mm-hmm. So that important. What was that like and how did your military background, your military training, your military experience really help you in that role? I think, um, number one, uh, I was fortunate, at least I felt fortunate. And when I look back and I kind of study that time and I'm answering questions like this, yeah, uh, that was after Iraq. So I had already had mm. time in a combat zone. And there's a there's a popular term uh, for military folks called a VUCA environment, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Yes. Well, I would say that is that is the White House every day. That's the White um, House every day. Yeah. yeah, it's like crisis. It's like what's happening in, in the world today. And everybody's experiencing this crisis with the coronavirus. Right. Everybody's in that type of environment and, they're, and you're dealing with it. Uh, so that, so coming out of, out of Germany and having been in the combat zone and you're leading teams there. Uh, and now you're in this environment and you're trying to lead teams for the commander in chief uh, where it's uh, I've described this before. And we always used to call it a zero defect environment where, where it's real world every day. Mm. Uh, it's not um, a lot of military units. If you think about it, you do training. Um, you kind of go in this rhythm of train and do exercise. And then if something bad happens in the world, you respond to it. Right. Uh, But the president is on the go 
every single day. And unless he's sleeping, he's still on, you know, he's on the go all the time. And you have this requirement to, to uh, deliver communications, secure and non-secure information technology uh, for him, the vice president, first lady, secret service, white house staff um, to the, you know, wherever they are in the world, they got to have the same capability as if they were sitting, if as if he was sitting in the oval office. Um, so it's really kind of like this. Um, I loved every minute, but it's almost like this big team is like the roadies for the president and right. he's a big rock star traveling the world and you have everything that goes with them so that they can perform their mission. But um, the teams the leading the teams in that type of environment, John, and for people listening uh, comes down to number one, if you're not a people person, uh, it's going to be really, really, really difficult for you because you have to learn how to build trust and confidence. Uh, they need to have trust and confidence in you as the leader, but you also have to show and demonstrate trust and confidence in them because when you end up at a, at an event site, say the, the president's going to speak in Detroit and uh, it's on a Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. So the Saturday prior to that, the team shows up in Detroit. There's nothing there. You have to go in and you got to get this whole infrastructure built. Uh, and you have these checklists, amazing checklists uh, to follow every single day. This is what has to be done. But the key is, even myself leading the team, I have my checklist. I have things I have to do and I have to perform. I have to trust but verify that the other teams, the information mm. team, the radio team, the audiovisual team um, that are all part of the overall team, uh, are doing what they need to be doing. And then you have those morning and end of day check-ins. Uh, and if you don't, if you don't have that ability uh, to build trust and confidence in your team, you're going to really struggle because you, yeah. there's no way to micromanage because there's too much to do in six days. And when the president arrives, you know, there's no rehearsal. It's, yeah. it's, it's game on. on. It's game yeah. on. Yeah. It's game on. And, it's, and, and what I like it, what you said was it's a zero defect game, right? You can't yeah. have any failure, right? Failure is you, you can't have, I mean, you have to make sure that nothing fails all the time, all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that there's, you know, there's, there's so many redundancies built in, uh, you know, backups to the backups to the backups, uh, because if something does fail, it, um, a system if it fails, there would be no indication to the president that a system failed because there's another one to right there right, ready to, right. to take over, back it up, yeah. bet to back it up. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and, What's interesting, too, is probably, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but what, you know, the average age of, of, of the people that were in that team, the military folks that were in that team, what, what were yeah. these? They're, they're young, right, generally? Yeah, for sure. Um, mostly between, mostly between probably averaging between 25 and 32 years old. Yeah. Yeah, because we, all, we, re, we had to recruit around the world. Um, this comes to that network thing. Uh, we recruited within the military. I actually ran the ran the global recruiting team to recruit service members into this organization. And uh, yeah, so that's where, that's where most of them were. We didn't take any, any very junior people. All of our positions were at a certain, at a certain rank and above. Right. Uh, So yeah, so most of them were probably between 25 and 32. They already had, you know, five or six years of experience uh, before they got to us. Uh, but but still, lots of lots of development happening. Yeah, uh, I mean, relatively young, high young performing people. teams. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. 
Well, fascinating uh, times. Yeah, I, I, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but let's get let's get into your book a little bit. So sure. you wrote a book called From the Battlefield to the White House to the Boardroom, which is exactly what you did. <laughs> so I like exactly. the description of the book title. So why did you why did you write the book and who's the audience for this uh, this book? Awesome. Well, thank you for asking the question. And um, I wrote the book. I had always wanted to I'd always wanted to write. Uh, it's the full it's the first full solo book that I had written. I had written a chapter in another book a couple of years prior. Okay. Uh, but once I took on that and I'm like, yeah, I can write my own book. And I hired a book coach that oh, I nice. had for a whole year to, to get me into to, to how to write um, when you're considering a nonfiction book. And then I sought out a publisher and I was able to, to secure a publisher nice. um, and so forth. And, and it was meant to do exactly two things. Describe the journey, my journey, uh, which was which is not common in the military itself. Uh, right. And and then and then since I had been out in corporate America for several years and transitioned into uh, as an executive of human resources and then starting my own company, I had the I had the, I kind of had the the journey right from the battlefield. Uh, White House is in there for a total of ten years, and then out into corporate America, which is the boardroom. I, I'm like, I have something to say and bring and do my best through my journey to bring leadership and especially leadership based upon an organization's core values and all the behaviors associated with those uh, into put this into a book. So throughout the book, it's the journey, but infused in the book, you know, there's, of course, the stories are in there, but then the examples of leadership uh, within those stories and how they exemplified, uh, how they exemplified specifically the Army Corps values, and what those meant to me in my own development, and how leaders in corporate America could take that as examples of when you when you lead when you lead exemplifying the values of your company through your behaviors, starting at the top with the CEOs, right? Uh, it can really it can really produce results. And that's why I say values-based results. Okay. It can really produce results over and above um, your competitors. And, and I was fortunate several years ago to meet a gentleman who has a consulting company in Ann Arbor, Dan Dennison. And his team, his team competes with the big McKinsey's of the world and they go around the globe. But everything that Dan and his team have done is all based on values inside of organizations and they've got all the studies to show that the organizations that actually live by, you know, live and breathe their core values and pull that out of their own, out of their people, all the behaviors associated with their values, uh, they truly have higher profit margins, higher sales, higher revenues, and so forth, and uh, better retention of their employees, better cultures. And, and I'm like, man, that's, that's what I want to write about in this book. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, so, you know, for the listeners here, so when you, how would you define the values? Is it, is it personal values or is it corporate values or where, where, where does value, where do values start from a leadership standpoint? Uh, So that's a, that's an awesome question because I, I took that as like the first question in writing the book, chapter one, (laughs) chapter, chapter one, or somebody's going to ask or want to know, how do you even get to this? Right. And uh, so I'm like, what do I do with this? And I thought back to my, I literally in my mind went to my economics 
days and, and sitting in economics class and all these different formulas with letters and and you're trying to figure out, you know, the GDP and all this other stuff. I'm like they've made formulas for this stuff. Doesn't look like math, but it's a formula. And I'm like, I'm going to make a formula. Okay. So so I created this formula and I put it in chapter one and and I define values because it really is personal values fall right into your corporate values your core values, because that's just kind of who you are. So values are behaviors, your behaviors over time. So if I followed you around for a week and you didn't know I was following you, but I was recording you with a video, you know, the whole time at the end of that week, we could sit down and watch the video and probably pull out some action words that describe who you are as a person and how you behave. And, and those would be, those would lead to your values. So if, if companies don't have Let's say they don't have established core values in their organizations. So, so then they need to really take some time and think about their personal values. What are they? How do they come to work and behave every day? And, and, and then you look, it's not just you. It's not one person. It's everybody. So, right, right. so it's everybody in your organization. If you have core values already, they're on your website, they're up on the wall. Uh, what are all the behaviors associated with those values? that you would want to see in the performance of your people. And is that being communicated regularly throughout your organization or not? And do they mean anything to your organization? Um, you start attacking those things and, and, and you're using those things. Um, this could be, I know we have time on a time crunch, but this could be a huge discussion you, then you start looking when you're looking at analytics and retention and recruiting and all that. And are you getting the right people in your company? Um, what are you tying it to? If, if you're not tying it to the types of behaviors that you want to see out of your people based upon uh, your values, then you're going to have a tough time. You may have, you know, low employee retention or you ha- or right. call it turnover. You know, you got this churn happening consistently or all the time. You're not keeping good people in your company. Uh, go to your values. So I put stuff in the book, uh, and this is where the how-tos come in. So if there are uh, senior executives, people running HR departments, if you don't have if you don't have values or you're having a tough time and you need to study them and figure out what's going wrong from that perspective, and this is all about people because it's people behaviors, right? Yeah. Um, I put some how-tos, some exercises, things you can do some simple things you can do to start getting your wrapping your hands around the values in your company and are people behaving properly or in accordance with your values. And that's where um, Mike Barger, the founder of one of the co-founder of JetBlue Airways, Mm -hmm. he wrote the forward to the book and he is, he is a former Navy um, top gun chief instructor and pilot. Um, But they went through a similar exercise at JetBlue when they were only a couple years old and they were growing really fast. And uh, it's just a fascinating story. And he talks a little bit about that um, in the forward of the book. Um, And it's just one of those things like I cannot encourage leaders enough, executives and organizations. It's tough because we live in a very competitive uh, environment. You know, people are competing for every single dime, every single sale, uh, you know, Information is available 24-7 online. People have choices on how they want to spend their money more than ever, more now than ever. 
So it's really, it can be really difficult for people to take the time, make the time to really look at their values and how those values and, and demonstrating them, talking about them, encouraging them, building teams based on them, uh, to get to the level of, uh, or the return on the investment, if you will, um, for their efforts. And no, I think this is really, really important. I'm glad you're touching on it. I know, you know, I've run a small manufacturing company that I, that I head uh-huh. up, I founded, but, um, we have, uh, 12 core values that we talk about all the time. And we also yeah. have, uh, what I call my 12 expectations. So, and that's not nice. slightly different from my core values, but like one of the core values, number one, our core values is, uh, do what you say you're going to do. That's number one. You know, it's about, yeah. you know, it's about following through and, mm-hmm. you know, meeting your words and being a person of your word. Yeah. And, um, and that, yeah. So that's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we say that's important to us as an organization that we're going to do what we say we're going to do to each other right. and to our customers and to our right. vendors and to our partners. Ab- so absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. love it. You know, in the army, that's duty. That is, that right. is, it's fulfilling your obligation, doing what you say, do what you say you're going to do. And it's powerful. It sounds simple, but when you start when that, and when that spreads across your organization, like, and it goes down to the, I mean, if, if you tell, you know, if you tell your, your teammates sitting next to you that you're going to do something for them because when they're out next week on vacation and you don't do it, right. You didn't live up to your, to your company's values. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. So it goes down to that level. And like you said, it spreads external to the organization when you're working with vendors, customers, this is what we're going to do. This is what I told you we're going to do. And oh, by the way, we're actually going to do it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by my friends at the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge Extremely Strong Coffee to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium certified organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. It's what I drink every day. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffeeCompany.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. I guess I understand values. I didn't really know um, the importance of it, but that's just something that's sort of in my DNA is to make sure that everybody understands what I stand for, what the company stands for. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. So it's not just, it's not just the mission, which I always say, make the mission short and and make sure it's focused on a regular basis. Right. Right. But I, I also think what you're saying is really important is make sure that the values are also clear and that those are reinforced on a regular basis as well. Right. So that your, your team is living up to that core set of values that you have. Yes, hundred, yeah. you're on it, hundred percent. I love it. I do too. It's it's I I absolutely love it. I experienced it for decades in the army. They're very they're very well set um, and established in that organization. Everybody's uh, 
I would say you're graded on it um, when you get your performance evaluation or you're going through that and all your counseling's in between. Uh, and it's it's something that's that you know permeates all the leadership development from the very junior people when they start into the their professional development or leadership development courses all the way up to the most senior um, or college type of organ of of level of leadership development. It just follows you from the start of your journey to the end of your journey. And everybody's getting that same, that same type of development. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And that's one of the things, you know, um, I come from a military background as well. And that's one of the things uh-huh. I sort of missed when I, when I left the Navy, you know, I came into corporate America and I was looking for that, you know, that overall overarching uh values or the way we Uh do things and it just was missing it was like yeah what do we do well whatever you want to do you know we have a you know we have we have to get we got to get this product to ship tomorrow yeah i was like okay well that's great i understand the goal (laughs) yeah but how are how are we doing it all right what are the what's important in this organization i'm not really sure right is you know yeah so it's kind of interesting so it was like i was i was let, I was let go out of the framework and I missed that framework of the military, which, you know, kind of guided you and, you know, and everybody was yeah. on the same page. Yeah. I often struggled with, I'd heard this statement in the, in my past and I've just, I think maybe recently where it all came to, you have this epiphany on what all this really means. And it, um, I was like, um, I heard one, someone say in the past, uh, people first mission always. Like people first, mission always. And I kept trying to put my head around that. And I think you, you literally just described it. Whereas if you walk in and it's, you know, we have these, we have these products we have to ship tomorrow. This is what we're doing. That's the mission. This is mission first. Mission first. Right. But if you don't have the values tied with it, you're kind of forgetting that there's this whole crew of people that are involved in that mission. And, and when you flip that and you put, um, of course, your company, your organization is always going to be always going to be about the mission, right? And you should be. That's why you exist is to perform this mission. Um, Businesses have a mission, whether you're selling products, services, whatever the case might be, you still have, you still have a purpose for existing. Uh, But when you put people first and you're focused on uh, behaviors and values and, and so forth and making sure you're getting the right people that align with your core values, you know, everybody's on the same page so that you can hire the right people it really puts people first and then, then you're living up to the people first mission always. I love it. That's a great yeah. statement. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. You know, you, you, um, I was looking through some of the book, uh, you talk about the power of people mm-hmm. and, um, and why, you know, people are so important, um, in, in an organization, you know, when, in this, uh, in my book, one of the books I, uh, or the first book I wrote, I talk that I say that leadership is a people business, right? It's all yeah. about the people. And in yeah. my experience on a submarine, we had a very young crew and we were doing very difficult things, uh, with, uh, zero, you know, zero, there was no room margin for error, yeah. right? You know, yeah. like if we fail, we all die, right? And it was that yeah. kind of mindset, oh, yeah. right? So, so we had to perform at a very high zero defect kind of level. We did yeah. it with a bunch of young people and they, we did it. We did it amazingly well, you know? And, and so I, so talk to me a little bit about the, what do you mean by the importance of people and why, why leaders should focus on people? Yeah. Uh, real quick though, you can probably see behind me. I have a couple Navy caps. Baseball I saw that. Caps yeah. Or, ball, or headgear. One of them is the USS Porter. No. The Porter. The Porter's a destroyer. The Norfolk was a submarine. Okay. Okay. I thought yeah. I saw a submarine cap on your yeah, shelf. It's, but... it's up there. Okay. Yep. I, 
in our recruiting mission for the White House, we were in Norfolk and I got to go on it's the only time I've ever been on a sub. Of course, it's parked. It's parked at the dock or whatever. Right. I don't know what the official term is, um, but we had one of the people we were actually recruiting. He was a, I think he was a senior chief. He he got us actually on the sub. Nice. And um, that was my first and only time. I mean, I'm like, wow, this isn't a museum. This is the real thing. How yeah. in the world do these people survive in this for months? You know, all working together to do exactly what you just said. So hats off to you. Thank you for your service. It's amazing. But um, it's a. Uh, you know, it kind of follows sometimes the simple terms, simple phrases kind of sum it all up. And I sum it up uh, when you talk about people, the power, the importance of people. And if you really think about it, um, it I think you'll find that it's true. And I think your listeners will, too. We we lead people and we manage tasks. Yes. So if you've ever been in, if anybody's ever had a project management type of background and you're getting into the act all you know your your project management plan and your gantt charts and you've got these huge task lists and everything that you have to do and put together in reality you really start to learn that this is all management right this is this is managing this this task this this process but then you have this group of people the resources that are assigned to you as the project manager that actually have to do the work well to get them to do the work you have to you have to lead them. Right. You have to influence them and motivate them and give them all the other resources that they need to get those tasks completed. And I think it really brings home the concept of, you know, leadership. Leadership is all about people. Mm. All, all, all about people. Management is about everything else. The tasks that are associated with it right, that you need right. your people to actually do. Um, and I think, you know, anybody in a in a leadership position or who has people under their charge, you're doing both of those things, right? You're performing both. You're, you're managing, you're leading uh, and so forth. But when it comes to the people, I think you got to stay focused on your, your leading people. And so mm-hmm. everything associated around leadership uh, is when it comes to your people, caring about them, making sure they have the resources uh, and so forth, responding to their needs uh, and so forth developing them, training them. Those are all leadership, leadership attributes. Anyways. It's what's interesting is though, you know, I always say that, uh, you know, we, we send people to go get MBAs and, uh, and we go to business school and I went to business school and they teach us everything about accounting and marketing and sales and, and uh, all, uh, all these things that uh, go around running a business, but there is no class on leadership, which is actually, leading people in a business which is always interesting to me so we teach the management part of it yeah but we fail sometimes to teach the leadership side of it and that's one of the reasons why i write and why i do this podcast is to talk about the fact that we seem to be missing out on the biggest issue when it comes to running an organization which is leading people you know to to do hard things you know yeah (laughs) absolutely you you nailed it right on the right on the head and when uh and I, I too, I went to business school, got my MBA, and and I loved it, right? And I loved right, learning, right. getting all of that knowledge on on all the aspects of a business. Uh, I was just fortunate to have done it after I retired from the army, so I had the leadership already. But you're right, there's no there's no leadership development, leadership training inside of those types, right, of, right. those programs. Um, and when I was doing research for my book, uh, I I was looking at multiple studies on leadership development 
uh, not only in the United States, but as a global industry. And, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And so many studies talk about the, um, we'll just say the failure of, of much of those programs uh, from, from leaving any type of uh, impact um, yeah. Yeah. You know, when they're finished. So I'm with you. I think writing, getting, getting this message out there, doing the podcast, uh, however many people we can influence uh, and help them in that journey, because overall, um, it's an individual, it's an individual thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're a leader nowadays, I mean, you can go get you can go to business school, and you can read a bunch of books and all that. But I really do believe that we have an amazing time right now in that the podcast culture is just is huge right yeah. now. And if you want to make yourself a better leader, you just hook up and subscribe to a bunch of different leadership podcasts and ones like this, ones like yours, just where you hear those stories and you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. This is, this is how people do it. Or this is, there's more yeah. to it than just accounting and marketing and, you know, right. and, and these sort of things. Business is a lot more than that. Business is people. And, uh, and I think, um, it's really good to hear, you know, people like yourself, myself trying to get that message out. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's fun to do. I hope, you know, I, I told people, even with writing the book, if, if, if this book can help even one person, mm. then I, then I, I'm happy that I wrote it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's, right. uh, I feel the same way. That's, that's, I like that. That's powerful. Yeah. So, um, so just as, as you think about, you know, your time in, in the military, your time in the white house, you know, in, in corporate America, your own companies, what are some characteristics of, of a great leader in your mind? Uh, number one is uh, to care. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to, to actually care about. Um, once you have your, once you have that uh, convinced in your mind that leadership is about people, uh, then you have to actually care about them, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to demonstrate those things. So there's a whole lot that goes with how to care about people. Um, that's a whole nother podcast alone. <laughs> uh, so actually, you have to show that you actually care about your people. Um, I always I always say you know, leaders eat last and Mm -hmm. that can apply to a lot of different things. But in, in real, I mean, um, in real terms, it really does mean, you know, when you have, when you have luncheons, when you have dinners, whatever the case might be, you know, don't, don't be at the table first grabbing your plate of food. Um, And I've gotten questions like, well, why does that matter? Well, number one, everybody's watching you. They know they know who you are. You know, if you're the CEO or whatever, they know who you are, and they just kind of it's 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 like a selfish type of behavior. It is, um, yeah. you know. Um, so, I and I've witnessed I've witnessed it so many times in corporate America that 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 concept is lost. Um, so I, I say that because I believe it. Uh, and then and then you really have to do your best, your absolute best, to ensure that your people have the whatever resources you can provide to set them up for success in doing doing their job. Mm. Um, I think that is super, super, super important because it, it's also really a part of demonstrating that you care about them. And and that that encompasses a whole lot of things. Um, so if you're t- you got to care about them, eat last. That means that means don't go first, but lead from the front. And and provide the resources that you're able to provide to the best of your ability so that, so that they can, they can grab on and do their jobs the best they can. 
I love it. Those are great. Three great uh, tips there for being a great leader. I like that a lot. So what's um, so what's next for you? You've got the book, you've got the podcast. What are you working on next? Well, we're actually launching on one January. So we're only 16 based on when we're recording this. We're only a little over two weeks away. Uh, We're launching an e-learning platform specifically uh, targeting leadership in human resources. So my background for, I mean, when I enlisted at 17 years old, I was a personnel, a personnel specialist. Uh, so I've been, I've been in the personnel, the people operations, HR, give it whatever title you want to give it for, for 34 years. And um, we're launching the e-learning platform, targeting leadership and human resources based upon the problem that exists across the globe, uh, wherein uh, the, the vast majority of CEOs and C-suite executives believe that only one in four of their HR leaders actually have leadership ability and can help solve mm-hmm. challenges of the day. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's the leadership development thing, only I'm targeting, um, I'm targeting the human resources community with our courses. Uh, they're fully approved for continuing education uh, through the certifying bodies and human resources. Uh, so that was effective one January. So that's why we're launching on one January. So that's where we're headed next. Nice. Um, yeah. And then we have a plan for five new courses every month. Uh, and then one day when COVID is behind us and (laughs) people get back into the, you know, more in-person type of events, uh, you know, I hope we're out in corporate America or even across the globe leading these types of discussions in person, uh, and so forth. But for now, uh, online seems to be where the growth is happening. So we're going to get it out there and nice. And people will see we're, we're going to be delivering in a little bit different format to be more engaging, uh, in the e-learning space. So putting a lot of effort into that. Thank you for asking. Nice. That's great. Fantastic. So, uh, how can people find out more about you, your company, your book? Sure. And we didn't really talk about your podcast, but in your podcast as well. So, Okay, cool. So my website is robertbrabo.com. Brabo is spelled B-R-A-B-O. Uh, from robertbrabo.com, you can you can find the book. Uh, the book is also on Amazon, of course. Uh, I think it's on barnesandnoble.com as well. A couple of the, the, the larger bookstores and so forth. Uh, but our podcast, The Bo and Luke Show, uh, there's a link to it on robertbrabo.com, but we also have a website just for the podcast. Okay. Uh, the Bo and Luke show.com. We're on, we're on the main platforms, Apple podcast, Spotify, uh, Amazon audible. We're on Amazon audible now okay. with our podcast. Okay. Uh, so people who have audible subscriptions, um, can listen on Amazon as well. Um, that's one of the you, easiest ways. What do you cover on the podcast? We didn't really talk about it. What do you, sure. you, you certainly don't talk about, um, like it's not the Bo and Luke, like Duke show, right? No, I mean, my, uh, <laughs> I mean, my name, um, my nickname is Bo. I've had that for my entire life since I was a kid. Um, and it stuck with me. So my publisher said, hey, when we put your name on the book, whatever we put, you got to stick with it. So on the book, it's Robert, and then in quotes, Bo, oh. Bravo. Um, but so I've always gone by Bo. And Luke is a colleague of mine, a uh, friend of mine, whom I met through business years ago. And we decided to do this podcast. So we really are Bo and Luke. Um, <laughs> but of course, you know, was, yeah, the Dukes of Hazard back in the day, you know, yeah. I watched it as a kid, Bo and Luke Duke, we get that all the time. Um, maybe it, I think it helps us, you know, and if it helps us, great. I'm not, you know, 
Oh well. Is, is there a no. Daisy? Is there a Daisy? No on Daisy. The show? No. <laughs> people might say my social media manager L. Um, she's on the website. Maybe she's maybe she's our Daisy, and she does some of our ad recordings uh, on some of our episodes. I love um, it. But our whole mission with the with the podcast is to help people um, be better, know better, do better. And between our experiences and then the guests whom we bring on the show, their experiences and their journeys in life to try and bring that inspiration to people to never quit, never give up. I don't care how old you are. If you have dreams, keep, you know, get up every day and go after them. And uh, we hope that they see that in the people that we bring on the show and what they've been through and, and the, the ups, the downs um, and learn from it, be inspired by it. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. Bowen, the Bowen Luke show podcast. So available yeah. where all podcasts are sold, right? That's right. Which is free. Which so. is free. <laughs> it's free. Well, good. I'll, I'll, I actually haven't listened in. Uh, I will uh, put it on my, I'll subscribe and start uh, tuning in to hear your stories. Yeah. And uh, cause I do, we do be, put it on YouTube as well. Okay, good. Excellent. Yeah, just, just, it's audio, but some people like YouTube as a platform. So it's true. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our, we, we put it out there in an audio version. So it's there for people who use YouTube. Great. Great. Well, that's great. I'll put a link to uh, all these resources in our show notes so people can cool. get to it easily. But uh, thank you very much, Bo. This has been a great discussion and I appreciate all of your insight and, uh, you know, t- coming from your background is very interesting. And I think you gave our listeners a lot to think about today. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Much gratitude to you. Okay, thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Take care.